Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, USDT, what is it backed by? We have some questions. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Today is Monday, October 18th, 2021. If you're wondering why my voice sounds raspy and a little deeper today, it's because, well, I damaged the hell out of my vocal cords by screaming at the Cleveland Browns yesterday. Congressional candidate from Ohio 14, Brendan Kelly, gave me a call yesterday. He said, bro, somebody flaked on me. I have two tickets to the game. Let's go to the game. And I was like, okay, rallied up. 20 minutes later, I'm down at the stadium and I'm screaming at the Cleveland Browns. If you saw the game yesterday against the St. Louis Cardinals, we got our asses handed to us. With all due respect to the Cleveland Browns, they didn't do as bad as I think they did the refs. Obviously, it's always the refs' problem. But anyway, I had a good time down there watching the Cleveland Browns. And I was yelling at the top of my lungs with a beer in my hand. And it was a good day. So that's why my voice sounds like that. And I'm also very excited today. Now I'm going to probably yell today, too, if watching the Apple event. I am just one of those nerds that sits down and watches the Apple events when they release their products. It's just what I do, but I'm excited. So you will hear a follow-up to the Apple event from me tomorrow and what I'm excited about. Let me know what you're excited about. Send me an email, MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. I'm curious. Now to the crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 1045 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is in at $61,900 up 1.5% in 24. Ethereum, $3,772, down 2% in 24. Binance Coin, $475, up 1.5. Cardano is in the number 4 spot at $2.13, down 1.5. And Tether is in the number 5 spot. We're going to be talking about you later. Running off the top 10, we have XRP, Solana, Polkadot, Dogecoin, USDC. Total market cap, we're at $2.48 trillion, almost to that 2.5 mark. A BTC dominance of 47% and an F dominance of 18.1. And now it's time for Coin of the Day. And our Coin of the Day is number 95, Basic Attention Token or BAT. It is currently sitting at 68.6 cents, down 1.8% in 24. Market cap, $1.02 billion. Fully diluted market cap, $1.2 billion which means all the bat is in circulation. 24-hour volume is around $309 million. What is the all-time high for bat? Well, all-time high is $1.65. It is down 58% from its all-time high, but its all-time low is four years ago on July 16th of 2017, which was 6.6 cents, and it's up 1,000% from there. Where can you buy bat? Well, Binance, Coinbase, Huobi, Kraken. There's a lot of liquidity. There's a lot of confidence in that liquidity. FTX, of course, shitcoin mecca, Gate.io. Um, but you can buy it pretty much everywhere. It's a pretty established coin. It is has high liquidity, high confidence, and well, we're gonna tell you what it does right now. 
Basic Attention Token, or ticker BAT, B-A-T, is a token that powers a new blockchain-based digital advertising platform designed to fairly reward users for their attention. That's why it's called Basic Attention Token, while providing advertisers with better return on their ad spend. So this is something, a token that you use through your Brave browser, where users can watch privacy-preserving adverts and receive BAT for doing so. On the other hand, advertisers can deliver targeted ads to maximize engagement and cut down loss due to ad fraud and abuse. So what does that mean? Basically, you know how if you're on Google and you're Googling things or using any kind of other browser, if it's uh, Safari or Chrome or, or whatever, you're just getting ads all the time. No matter what you are using, you have ads, you see ads. Sometimes you don't even know that there's ads there because you're so used to seeing them. Well, if you're downloading the Brave browser, you can just ad block everything and just see the content. And if you want to earn some bat token, watch some ads. Companies can target you with the ads that they see that you want by, you know, agreeing to the privacy. You can have total privacy with Brave browser if you like, but you can also earn tokens by watching ads and allowing ads. So that's basically attention token to be used with Brave browser, number 95 on coin market cap. And now let's move into our main story today, all about stable coins, how they're backed, and their consequences. Scott Chipolina, how you doing, sir? Welcome to the show. I'm I'm well. Thanks for having me, Matthew. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So you wrote an article today that I really was interested in because not only am I seeing that this conversation coming up a lot with like uh, Gary Ginsler, Janet Yellen, uh, people in Congress, but I'm also hearing it on different podcasts these days. I'm hearing about stable coins. One of my favorite podcasts, as everybody knows, on the show is the All In podcast with Chamath Palapatia, David Sachs, David Freeberg, and Jason Calacanis. And they were talking about the Tether issue and stable coins issue just on their last episode and the episode before that. So you wrote the story and I was just like, wow, everybody's talking about this. This must be something we should be paying attention to. What is going on with Tether and stable coins, sir? Well, I think that the... The news peg of the day has really been that Fitch Ratings, which is one of the known as the, the big three credit rating agencies um, flanked by you've got Moody's and you've got Standard & Poor's S&P. Uh, Fitch Ratings is, is the other of the, of the big three credit rating agencies. And they've come out and essentially provided a warning that stable coins might affect, might impact the securities markets. And specifically what they've mentioned is that I'll actually I'll just read out a quote because it's easier that way. Um, Fitch Ratings believes stable coins that approach a systematically important scale could come to play an important role in short-term securities markets such as commercial paper. Now, that's interesting because, of course, commercial paper has really sort of dominated the headlines when it comes to stablecoins. Um, Tether, the largest by market cap, the largest stablecoin in the world, and, and uh, I, I suppose it's fair to say the most well-known stablecoin. Um, recently, a, an assurance report uh, was pub- published just a few months back showed that Tether is almost 50% backed by commercial paper. Um, and that, that was actually at odds with Tether's own breakdown of its reserves, which came out in May of this year, um, when Tether suggested that 76% of, of Tether's reserves were held, were held in cash or cash equivalents. That's obviously um, in direct contradiction with, with the assurance support that came out after that. Um, and it's also in direct contradiction to Tether's previously slash historic claims that Tether's were 100% backed by cash. The listeners have heard this a lot on the show about the possible outcomes of Tether not being appropriately backed. And, you know, if it's a stable coin, I think these are pretty common sense regulations that should or frameworks that should be uh, proposed is if you say you're a stable coin and you're backed by backed by a dollar, you should be backed by a dollar. If you're a USDP or not, actually, it wouldn't be USDP. It'd be, what would it be? Sorry, yeah, G- GBP, yeah. 
There yeah, you go. Great British band, yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't sure you were going with that. So. I didn't know what I was going with that either. <laughs> so, so if it's it backed by the pound, it should be backed by the pound. It should be in, 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 in one to one. That's what a stable coin is. Mm-hmm. But, it, it, but what are being backed? What are the stable coins backed by now? What is it looking like Tether is backed by? And why is that dangerous? Well, I think the, 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 the chief sort of gripe that people have here is that the, the, the charge being leveled at Tether and, and perhaps other stable coins is that they, they haven't necessarily been clear to folks where the backing has actually come from. Of course, to get a little bit technical here, there are all kinds of different stable coins. There are stable coins that are not necessarily backed by a currency, but they are um, algorithmic stable coins, which means that their, their stability um, is, is owed to something other than being pegged to a, a fiat currency. But at least in Tether's case, um, the charge has really been that the company has not necessarily been transparent about what backs tethers. As I said before, that the, the company used to claim that tethers were 100% backed by cash. In May, company tethers breakdown um, actually showed that 76% of tethers were backed by cash or cash equivalents. And then now, um, we just a few months back, we we learned that tether is actually 50% backed by commercial paper. Define there commercial are- paper. So commercial paper is um, essentially what it's under. It's, it's commonly understood as a type of unsecured short-term debt instrument, and companies use it for all sorts of different reasons. They use it for financing of payroll um, and meeting other kinds of liabilities that are, that are sort of short-term liabilities. That's that's essentially in two sentences what commercial paper is. Okay, so now that we know that USDT or Tether is not backed one-to-one with uh, the US dollar, it's now backed 50% by commercial paper. What is the instability of the stable coin by being backed by commercial paper? Well, again, I think the, the, the chief concern here is that it's fairly straightforward to sort of imagine that if a stable coin was truly backed one-to-one by the US dollar, and its price was pegged to the US dollar, then that is what should afford the stable coin its stability. If that's not the case, then immediate concerns arise as to, well, how is it reliably stable? And it might not be stable in the future if there is an issue with the commercial paper markets or if there is an issue with other markets that that stable coin in question might rely on. So the concern is, is, is really about transparency, I would say. The claims that a stable coin is backed one-to-one by cash and it then turns out to be not the case that it's turned that it's backed one by one, one to one by cash, then that's obviously a problem for people. So I guess what I'm also alluding to and trying to get at is like, what is what is Fitch's biggest problem here? It's like so the whole thing is if these stable coins grow right now, obviously they could uh, affect the crypto space uh, a little bit, or at least for short term. But if we could talk about these stable coins getting to 200 billion, 500 billion dollars and they crumble because of whatever they're backed by is pretty weak. Like what could happen to what's what's the future outcome and that they're trying to prevent? Fitch is sort of implying that that stable coins that become more important as as their market cap increases, essentially, um, they become a a big enough player that they can actually have an impact, potentially an adverse impact on short term securities markets like, as we've just discussed, commercial paper. So really what they're saying is as these stable coin providers grow and as these stable coins grow by market cap, there is a higher risk and exponential risk that they actually can negatively impact other markets and other industries. That That is sort of at the crux of what for trading is a set. Last question is, and I, please, this, I could cut this because I could be totally wrong. I thought last week uh, the FCA came out and said that cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin could be the downfall of the economy. Does this have anything to do with that or is that a totally separate issue? And if I am correct that they said this, because I'm just going off of memory of reading articles last week, if they said something like that, um, why would they say that about Bitcoin? 
Actually, um, that was the Bank of England that that said that, not not the FCA. And what okay. they, what essentially who it was uh, a gentleman called Sir John Cunliffe, who was the Deputy Governor for Financial Stability at the Bank of England, um, and he claimed that Bitcoin, specifically Bitcoin, could lead to financial instability. That, as we're talking about the FCA, that is not necessarily too far gone from what the FCA has said in in, in recent history. But the FCA is a little bit more. Um, consumer focus, then I would say the Bank of England is, is more looking at a macroeconomic sort of outlook to the United Kingdom. Um, and what kind of said, just to add some added context, um, of course, 2.3 trillion needs to be seen in the context of the 250 trillion global financial system. But as the financial crisis showed us, you don't have to account for a large proportion of the financial sector to trigger financial stability problems. Um, so that's what Cunliffe of the Bank of England said. Um, and again, what the FCA has said countless times now, especially throughout 2021, is that crypto assets are highly volatile. It it is not the case often that consumers fully understand these products. And to borrow a direct term from the FCA, that if if you were to engage in these assets, be prepared to lose all your money. That's the the, the line of of warning that the FCA has has provided. And one thing, an additional thing about the Bank of England that I thought was curious, because I covered the Bank of England twice last week. Um, Sir John Cunliffe mentioned that, that Bitcoin and actually, to be fair as well, other cryptocurrencies, but mainly Bitcoin, could, could trigger financial instability. But just earlier that week, um, the Bank of England um, released a study that said that crypto could actually, it actually um, poses limited risk to financial stability in the UK. So I think it's quite curious to see that, you know, this is a very senior representative of the Bank of England uh, that isn't necessarily sort of singing off the same hymn sheet as the institution itself, which I thought was quite interesting. So just to interpret this, he's saying that with as institutions and uh, put money into Bitcoin, add Bitcoin to their balance sheet, being a over trillion dollar market cap now, a bear market could totally hinder and hurt these institutions and these companies that are supported by uh, Bitcoin on their balance sheet. That's what I'm, I'm hearing. And then that could lead to an economic ripple through the UK or the US or global markets. Yeah, and I don't think it's necessarily even confined to institutions that hold Bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency, for that matter, on their balance sheet. I think it's also got to do with um, retail investors. And again, we're, we're, we're sort of delving a little bit more into the remit of the FCA here. But if individuals were to lose their purchasing power, or maybe default on a mortgage or something because they're too highly reliant on cryptocurrencies that are obviously very volatile, then that could snowball into an effect that, that creates you know, macro financial instability. And I think that both institutions are fairly justified in saying that. But what is interesting is that the Bank of England and the deputy governor of the Bank of England seem to be saying different things in a very, very short time frame. Interesting. Interesting. Stable coins, Bitcoin, and the future of our economies. We're going to have to wait and see how everything pans out. Scott Chapelina, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks as always, Matthew. Moving into some other news. Grayscale is reporting moving ahead with plans to convert its Grayscale Bitcoin Trust to a Bitcoin Exchange Traded Fund, or ETF, backed by physical Bitcoin. A corresponding filing with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, or the SEC, may be submitted early this week, according to CNBC. CNBC also reported that Grayscale decided to move forward with a spot Bitcoin ETF immediately after the SEC approved the ProShares Trust futures-based ETF on Friday. According to an anonymous source familiar with the matter, the investment firm's move could be an attempt to force the SEC's hand. 
This source told CNBC, if they're comfortable with a Bitcoin futures ETF, regulators should also be comfortable with the underlying market. So just a reminder, Bitcoin futures ETFs, they're tied to the CME traded derivatives contracts. A Bitcoin spot ETF or a proper Bitcoin ETF is backed by the actual asset. Barry Silbert, the CEO of Digital Currency Group, said, Friends don't let friends buy and hold future-based ETF. Everyone, do me a favor, call Greenpeace, because the endangered Bitcoin whale is becoming extinct. The elusive Bitcoin whale has reached its lowest population in almost a decade. Today, the number of Bitcoin addresses holding 10,000 Bitcoin is at 82. It's only been this low in 2012, when there was only 81 wallets holding 10,000 or more Bitcoin. In 2012, Bitcoin was worth around $13.51. So that's quite a bit more money today, like $600 million more money today, which is a hell of a lot. However, there's a new breed of baby whales that are coming into existence. Maybe we just call it evolution. But the number of addresses holding 100 Bitcoin to 1,000 Bitcoin has increased significantly in the past five weeks. Actually, now this makes me curious. If you had 100 Bitcoin, email me. Tell me what you would be doing with it. Would you be hodling? Would you be buying? What would you be buying? Where would you be living? What would you be doing? Would you change anything? Let me know. Matthew Aaron at Decrypt.co. And finally, Bact will begin trading as a public company on the New York Stock Exchange on Monday, today, according to its owner, the Intercontinental Exchange. And I can tell you right now, I'm staying out. I have bought too many direct listings or IPOs in the past year from tech companies that I like, Robinhood, Coinbase, and let's just say I have been losing money this whole time. The ticker on the New York Stock Exchange is going to be under BKKT. Backed is a digital asset marketplace, and it now offers Bitcoin futures trading service, a mobile app. It allows users to spend their Bitcoin on everyday goods and shops via Visa debit card, which they launched in June. Well, they are now publicly traded via a SPAC. SBAC, or a SPAC, is a special purpose acquisition company, or what they call a blank check company or a shell company, and it's listed on the stock exchange with the purpose of acquiring a private company, thus making it public without going through the traditional initial public offering process. According to the SEC, a SPAC is created specifically to pool funds in order to finance a merger and acquisition opportunity within a set time frame. So again, BACT is now going to be publicly traded. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. My name is Matthew Deemer. Don't forget to go to Apple Podcasts. Like, subscribe, share, leave us a comment. And until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone. <laughs>